If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 44. Isaiah was written to the Lord's chosen people, Israel. If you know your Old Testament, you'll know that Isaiah was a crushed people. They were a defeated people, and they were an exiled people. The Israelites were an unfaithful people. They trusted in themselves, they trusted in foreign kings, and they trusted in foreign gods. And the verse that we're going to be reading tonight is in a section composed with a ferocious denunciation of idolatry. And of all places, it's here that we're going to see a steadfast promise from God. So Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Brothers and sisters, we are the offspring. We are the descendants. We are the recipients of this promise. In the midst of our unfaithfulness, God was faithful. He always keeps his promises. How gracious is our God to give us his very spirit. We were all dead in our sins, just like Israel. We lived in utter rebellion towards God. We too were a crushed people. We were exiled from the Father. But God would send a suffering servant, one of whom Isaiah would prophesy, a man of sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. This suffering servant was Jesus. And unlike Israel, he was perfectly obedient to the Father all the way to the cross. And in between rising from the grave and ascending to the Father, Jesus too promised the coming of his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. How glorious is our God to provide the requirements for our salvation and equip us through his Son by his Spirit to change. I'm convinced nothing has shown me more of my need for the Holy Spirit than my marriage with Hannah. Even leading up to marriage, the first time I asked her out, she said no. The second time I asked her out, she also said no. Three more times and three years later, she still said no. Nothing was going to change in her heart. But the last time I asked her out, she said yes. And when people ask her, what changed in your heart? She doesn't know. It was simply God. How much more has our marriage shown me my need for the Holy Spirit? Marriage is filled with flaws, failures. All my fears are on display. And gritting my teeth and trying harder, saying I'll change, it just simply won't do it. It only leaves me crushed, just like Israel. Friends, without the Holy Spirit of God, it is impossible to live the Christian life. So in light of the gift of the Holy Spirit, how shall we live the Christian life? Here are three short applications. In light of the Holy Spirit, we should be a church committed to prayer. Why do we pray? We pray because we believe that God alone, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is able to carry out the work of God. If we're not a people of prayer, it shows us that we think we can actually get the job done apart from God. 
This is why we just prayed corporately as a church. It's not perfunctory prayer. We really believe that we cannot do anything apart from God. And how we pray privately is modeled well at this church in how we pray corporately. Now I want to ask you tonight, how much time do you spend praying for your church? As you pray, do you pray for the people you know in your church? Do you utilize the membership directory and pray for those you haven't even yet met? Pray here at this church for the preaching you hear. Pray for a biblical church culture. These are all examples of how we can pray. Because life in the Spirit is a supernatural work. And prayer is the most practical thing you can do to ask God to work in this church. In light of the Holy Spirit, we should also be a church committed to evangelism. As we proclaim the historic news that God has brought salvation through Christ, there are only two options we have. First, we can preach in a way that's agreeable and unoffending. And that would make sense to most people. But the second option is we can preach Christ crucified. What Paul calls a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. This first approach, the first approach appears justifiable to the wisdom of men, but the ramifications are eternal. After all, whose job is it to convert dead people? That was our condition apart from Christ. And if your friends, your family, your co-workers, and the unreached are ever to be saved from their sins, it will be because someone speaks the gospel to them and the Holy Spirit regenerates their heart. There is no other way for people to be saved from their sins. What role does evangelism play in your life? Is it something you limit to weekly gatherings or special events at church? Or is it something you do in your day-to-day life? You see, evangelism should happen both privately and corporately. So what, does the, what role does the local church play in your evangelism? Privately, don't only share the gospel with others, but describe with them what life in the church means to you. Bring other members alongside you as you share the gospel with your coworkers, your friends, and your families. When my wife and I were attending a housewarming party at one of, of one of the members here, we were actually surprised to see one of the international families, a Muslim family, that we've been trying to share the gospel with at this housewarming party. These are great opportunities to expose your non-Christian friends to the community of the church. Even as you think about Christmas and your Christmas dinner, think about what international students, what non-believers you can invite into that moment as a witness. You see, God is announcing tremendous news about his son to the world. By his Holy Spirit working through the church. The local church is the greatest evidence we have for the gospel. So let's not neglect it in our evangelism. Lastly, life in the spirit means we should be a church committed to the word. The primary vehicle for the spirit to move and speak in our lives is the word of God. For the for uni- University Baptist Church to be dependent on the spirit, we must be driven to the word. By definition, that is what it means to be spirit dependent. How often do we long for a fresh move of the spirit of God, yet neglect time in his word? 
For us to be truly changed by the Spirit, we must be changed by God's Word. Not just on Sunday morning, that's just the starting point. We need it all week long. Do we really believe that God's Word is living and active? Feast on the Word. Speak the Scriptures to one another. Open the Word with one another. If we are to be a church marked by the Holy Spirit, we must be a church driven to the Word. If you're a believer tonight, praise God that you have been made in the image of God, you've been given the Spirit of God, and that you're being conformed to the image of Christ. This is all a gift of God. And as we conclude tonight, reflect on God's beauty in transforming your heart and His goodness in giving you His Spirit. Like the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly, or a flower blooming, or an egg hatching, If you're in Christ tonight, the Spirit changed your heart from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. Praise God that He always fulfills His promises and that He lavishly pours out His Spirit on His church. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the promise of Your Spirit. And we thank You that You always fulfill Your promises. I pray tonight for University Baptist Church. May we be a church that desires to be filled with your spirit, driven to your word, God. I pray that that's seen in evangelism and prayer. And God, I just pray that you would have your way with this church. In Jesus' name, amen.